writing scripture, I always think about during this season is to us a child is born, to us a son is given. You know, that from Isaiah just kind of rings in my mind in the Christmas season. And I, I just feel like I want to say, you know, children, children are always a blessing. Circumstance or situations or other people's opinions about circumstances or situations does not change the fact that children are a blessing from God, okay? And someone needs to hear that. Whether, you know, Katrina's lost several, several babies in the last two years. Every one of them have been named. Every one of them is remembered. Every one of them is talked about as if they have lived viable lives because they've been blessings from the Lord, right? And uh, it's so important when Jesus you know, was born, little children ended up dying. Herod just went on a rampage. There's something about the connection in this season with little children. And the state of abortion in this country, I think, is an indicator that Christ is coming again because the children are suffering again. So count your blessings. If you've got kids, if you've got kids coming, you've got a blessing from the Lord coming. Lay hold of that. All right, we're going to open this uh, series in Luke 2, uh, verses 25 and 26. And uh, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Wow. Wow. I've got a painting up in my office that Martha did of Simeon holding the Christ child, with tears running down his face. So beautiful. So beautiful. I was thinking about this this man. Uh, this is this is pre-Pentecost. You know, we have this idea of the Holy Spirit and how we relate to the Holy Spirit, how he relates to the church. This was pre-that. But here's this guy roaming around in what theologians call the silent years, right? Four hundred years of silence. But here's this guy, Simeon, roaming around. Uh, Jerusalem, and he's in dialogue with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't even say how long. You know, when did the Holy Spirit say to this guy, listen, you're not even going to die until you see the Messiah come? Doesn't say. Just says on this particular day in Jerusalem is this guy, and he's righteous and devout. So what's that mean? Here's the definition of righteous. Acting in accord with divine, I like that, divine or moral law, free from guilt or sin, morally right or justifiable, a righteous decision, genuine, excellent, decent, ethical, good, honest, honorable, just, moral, nice, right, right-minded, straight, true, upright, and virtuous. And that's just the righteous part. Now the devout part means 
He's committed or devoted to religion or to religious duties or exercising, exercises expressing piety or religious fervor, expressing devotion, a devout attitude devoted to the pursuit, belief, or mode of behavior, serious, earnest, and warmly sincere. So here's this Simeon in dialogue with the Holy Spirit before it was common practice, and this is what has happened to his character. He is now righteous and devout. Why? Because of what he's looking for. Okay? He's looking for the consolation, waiting for the consolation of Israel. So what's consolation mean? It means the comfort received by a person after a loss or a disappointment. The comfort received by a person after a loss or a disappointment. Anyone ever had a, a, a severe loss in their life? Didn't it feel good to be comforted? Hmm? So he's waiting for the consolation of Israel, a whole nation, a whole people group. It says he's looking for their consolation. He's looking for the thing that was promised that is going to bring comfort to a whole nation that has suffered loss and disappointment. And as he's searching for that, the Holy Spirit of the living God is talking to this man. You're going to see it. It's going to happen. It's going to come to pass. So there are two things a man like this at this time in history would have been looking and hoping for, and this is really minimal amount of information compared to the profuse amount of prophetic promise recorded in the scriptures, but these are the bedrock to the prophetic hope of Israel in first century Judaism. The first one is called the righteous reign of the branch. The righteous reign of the branch. This is found in Isaiah chapter 11. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness. Now, we just found out what righteousness means, right? But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. And a child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like an ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of a cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, 
for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, in that day, what does that say? It puts it in the hope realm. In that day, somewhere up ahead, off in the future, look for this, seek this, desire this, hope for this, because in that day, all of this is going to come to pass. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. You know who he's talking about? Oh, boy. The second one is from the book of Daniel, chapter 2. I'll give you a little history here. 587 B.C., actually on the 9th of August, 587 B.C., Jerusalem is destroyed and the temple burned to the ground by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, and Israel was taken into 70 years of captivity. So why was Simeon looking for comfort and consolation? Here's the answer. Okay. Out of the royal family of the king of Israel, certain young men who were of high breeding and education were selected and groomed to serve the king. Daniel was one of these young men. He was, as a matter of fact, quite like Simeon, devout and righteous and in touch with the voice of God. Now, just so you get an idea of what it meant to serve a pagan king in those days, listen to how the storyline starts in Daniel 2. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. The king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans, who were wise men, be summoned to tell the king his dreams. Uh, do you see what that just said? Not to interpret them, to tell him what he dreamed. Because he had dreams, he was troubled by them, but he didn't remember what he dreamed. You ever have one of those? Okay. So they came and stood before the king, and the king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. The Chaldeans, the wise men, the wise guys, said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants the dream. Okay. And we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The word from me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, now listen to this, this is what it means to serve a pagan king. If you don't do what I say, you shall be torn limb from limb. Right? Anyone ever had that done to you? So that's like they put you, you know, they stake you out on the ground, they put ropes in your wrists and your ankles. And there's four elephants going in four different directions. And someone snaps a whip. Right? That's what it means to be torn limb from limbs. All your limbs come out of your out of your body, right? So if you don't do what the king says, you get torn limb from limb. And beyond that, your houses shall be laid in ruins. In other words, I will eliminate your whole family line. 
But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you shall receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. Obviously, these guys are in panic mode, right? I, I get calls all the time as a pastor. Oh, pastor, I had a dream last night. Yeah, what was it? Oh, this and that. You know, any sense on that? Do you hear anything from the Lord for that? Dream interpretation is fairly easy in the spirit. But for someone to come and say, listen, I had a dream. Could you tell me what it was? Right? Well, no, I can't. I'm going to tear all your limbs off. <laughs> I'm going to get another job. You know, that's it. So these guys are in a panic, because, right? Because how do you tell someone what they dreamed? Well, Daniel knew how. And it's a good thing because the king is so angry at the failure of his wise men that he orders them all to be executed, even Daniel. He's just going to wipe them all out, right? We pick up the story in verse 17. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven. That's how you find out. You seek mercy from the God of heaven. Do you need to know something for your life, for your prosperity, for your future? Seek the God of mercy. Okay? Seek the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. I like that. I like that. Right? What did Jesus say? To you it has been given the keys to the mysteries of the kingdom. God can reveal to you deep and hidden things. There should be nothing hidden from your life if you seek the God of mercy. Hmm? He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we ask of you. For you have made known to us the, the king's matter. Therefore, Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon, he went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. That's a good thing to say to a guy who's going to destroy the wise men of Babylon. <laughs> Don't do it. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked, but there is a God in heaven. Huh? <laughs> but there is a God in heaven. With man, these things are not possible, but with God, didn't we say this a couple of weeks ago? But with God, all things are possible, right? There is a God in heaven who reveals mystery, and he has made known to 
He has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the vision of your head as you lay in the bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals, uh, but as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all other living, but in order that the interpretation may be known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. Here comes the interpretation. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of, of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory, and into whose hand he has given wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beast of the field and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all. You are the head of gold. Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. This happens to be the Roman Empire, the fourth one. Okay? And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And as you saw the feet and the toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of iron shall be in it, just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they shall mix with one another in marriage. But they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. I believe this is the... Uh, the Romans trying to adapt into Egyptian uh, religion and philosophy and all of that as they, they took Egypt. And in those days of the kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever, just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and the interpretation is sure. So chances are pretty good that Simeon was looking for this stone from heaven. He was looking for a conquering Messiah 
who would shatter all of Israel's enemies and establish the new and everlasting kingdom of God where peace and prosperity, like Isaiah talked about, would reign. Can you see him at the temple looking for that royal figure of a warrior king? We pick up the reading there. And he came in in the spirit into the temple, Luke 2.27. He came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the customs of the law, so at this point Jesus is eight days old, he's going to be circumcised and dedicated as the firstborn male son dedicated to the service of the Lord exclusively. So here's Simeon with all of this prophetic understanding, this looking for the consolation of what Daniel was speaking about, and he's looking for this stone from heaven, this warrior king who's going to establish God's rule and reign forever, and in walks Joseph and Mary with a little baby, and maybe he's already been circumcised. I don't know if you've ever been to a Jewish circumcision. They take the poor little guy and just run that knife around there, and he screams. We went to one in in Jerusalem, and there was a a teenager there. He's about 15 years old, and they laid the baby on the kitchen table, and the rabbi came in and laid it all out, and they put a piece of bread and wine and put it in the baby's mouth. And the 15-year-old teenager went, (laughs) turned gray and went right out on the floor. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) So who knows what side of that experience Jesus was on, but here comes Simeon, and he sees that baby, and the spirit whispers in his ear, there he is. That's the one. He's God with us. Hmm? And he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Listen, you got a word from the Lord? You got something you're hanging on to? I don't know how long Simeon was searching and seeking, praying, dialoguing with God, looking, looking, expectation and hope in his heart, firing up, going back and forth to the temple. Is today the day? Is he going to arrive? Is there going to be an entourage of royalty coming in and the king on a white horse and all of this stuff? And goes there by the spirit and sees this little baby boy maybe screaming his lungs out. I don't know. Like that. Worse than that. (laughs) For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. By the Spirit, this righteous and devout man, 
looking for his conquering king and the consolation and hope of Israel, found him in a little baby boy. Would you have recognized the king in that baby? There were few who did. Will you recognize him when he returns to establish his rule and reign? I would say this, only by the Spirit. Listen to this closing scripture. Revelation 21, 1 through 7. And I hope, I hope this gives you hope in this week of hopefulness as we look forward to the coming of the King. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. So let, let's just dispel with this idea, you know, that the end of the world means total destruction. That's not what is going to happen. The end of the age, the end of the age, not the end of the world, the end of the age. Behold, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Guess what? We get to hang out here. You don't get a cloud. You might get a city, but you'll be here on earth, a new earth, a new heaven, and the two will be meshed. It won't be a temple. It won't be a church. It will be the integration of heaven and earth. It will be the Garden of Eden again. We're in the cool of the evening. Dad will come down and take you for a walk. Be strolling with the spirit of the living God. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Do you know you are called the bride of Christ? Guess what this is? It's our wedding feast. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away, let, listen, listen intently to this, because here's where your hope lies. He, that is the God of heaven who's come down to dwell with us, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. With the old heaven and with the old earth, death and pain and crying and sorrow and mourning go with them. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write it down. For these words are trustworthy and true. I want to say that again. These words, all those words I just read since I started reading in Revelation, all those words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty. Who said they were thirsty? Did someone say something about being thirsty earlier? John, right? Right? To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. 
It's free. It's free in Jesus. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son, my daughter. So as you do your little booklet this week, I'd like you to consider not only the hope that Simeon had for his day and for his hour, because we stand today as Simeon stood back then with a hope and an expectation that soon, soon Jesus is coming again. New heaven, a new earth, and new life for us. Just stand with me. So Holy Spirit, won't you come? Won't you come as you came to Simeon with the promise of the Father, a sure prophetic word that consolation is coming, that all the sufferings and all the pains that we've, we've borne through life, oh God, when we see you face to face, they will wash away forever. We look and yearn for that day, O oh God, when we look upon your face and we hear you say, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. Come into my Father's house that I have prepared for you since the foundations of the world. Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see that we would recognize when you're moving, what you're doing, and we join ourselves to doing those things with great hope of the fruit that is to come. Give us ears to hear your voice, O God, that we might be guided and directed by heaven's will and not our own, O God. We pray the prayer of Jesus. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done here on earth, here in us as it is in heaven. Holy Spirit, would you come? that we might know you all the more. Cause us to seek you in such a way that you would reform our character, that we would become righteous and devout in hot pursuit of you, the lover of our souls. Let's just wait for a moment on the Spirit Perhaps you have never heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. Never heard directions from him or comfort from him. Never received a prophetic unction or word for your life. I think the Lord wants to speak to some folks today. I think he wants to imbue you with a hope. A hope for an eternal life high quality, eternal life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life more abundant. I'm going to ask some of the uh, Sockham students just to come up, maybe three or four of you just come up. Right up front here.
We've been working for the last several weeks on words of knowledge and prophetic ministry. And if you have never heard a word from the Lord and would like to, if you've never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and yearn to, I want to invite you to come and receive some ministry today. These folks will stand with you and pray with you and minister God's grace to you. And listen, there's nothing that will change tomorrow like hearing the voice of God today. When God's word goes into you, the Bible says his word never returns to him void, but it always accomplishes what he sent it to accomplish. If he speaks into your life, that means he's becoming active along the lines of the word that he invests into you, and he will not stop until he sees that thing accomplished and it comes back to him as fulfilled. So it's no small thing to come and ask the Lord to speak prophetically into your life, to invest his Holy Spirit into your life, that he can begin to work the works of heaven here on earth and to set a hope in your heart that goes beyond understanding. It will cause you to recognize the king in the little baby, the gold in the mud, the possibilities in the impossible. Come up, come up.